0: Welcome back to another episode of Mormon Traditionalist Podcast. My name is Jaron O'Driscoll and I am your host. Thanks for joining me again today, guys. Don't forget to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. That will help me out more than you know, and I can get more exposure to more people like you that want to hear this message. And also, join me uh, September 23rd through the 25th at the Book of Mormon Evidence Conference at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, Utah. That will be the 23rd through the 25th of September, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Come see me, hang out, and come see some of the great speakers. It's going to be a good time. Now, today is going to be a very important episode. Honestly, in hindsight, this is what uh, episode two should have been after doing uh, the intro episode. That's how fundamental this is to this podcast. We're going to talk about a concept that is extremely simple yet in the modern day has been polluted into being viewed by the world as something more complicated. It's something that is designed for good, yet twisted by the adversary to accomplish his work. It's a concept we rely on to make decisions every single day, both big and small. It's a concept that has been discussed and debated for centuries, with many arguing that there is no way to even know what it is. That is the concept of truth. Definitions are important, so what is truth? Well, Joseph Smith said that truth is the knowledge of things as they are, as they were, and as they are to come. That's in D&C 93 verse 24. So that's our standard. Pretty simple. Not according to philosophies of men though. Back in 2013, President Uchtdorf gave a talk at a young adult's fireside called What is Truth? I highly recommend listening to it. I'll put it in the show notes. I'm going to be referencing it heavily today. He said this in that talk. Part of the reason for poor judgment comes from the tendency of mankind to blur the lines between belief and truth. That is such an important distinction to make. Bravo, President Ukdorf. Belief does not equal truth. Satan has done a very good job at convincing people that they are one and the same, though. It's the whole perception is reality lie. Just because someone reacts a certain way based off a certain belief, does not make it reality. We all live in the same flippin' reality, guys. Truth is not subjective. Period. But let's look at how Satan tries to make you believe that it is. President Ukdorf gave a good analogy about this, and it goes like this. Six blind guys all go and find this elephant. They all touch a different part of the elephant's body and describe it by what they have experienced. One touches the tail and says that uh, an elephant is like a rope, One touches the trunk and says an elephant is like a large snake. One touches the leg and says it's like a tree. You get the picture. The idea of the story is that all of the guys are right, but they are all wrong as well. But in reality, none of them have discovered truth. Each of them has only formed an opinion of what something is like, but none of them know the truth of what an elephant is. Being blind has removed the one crucial component needed, to move from belief to truth, and that is context. Now, I've mentioned this before, how Satan manipulates data and information by the omission of context. There's three ways Satan conjures a lie. Through omission of facts, distortion of facts, and fabrication of facts. Let's do omission first, though. Here's an example of how Satan omits facts to tell a lie. And if this triggers you, just chill and listen for a second, okay? The lie is that Cloth masks prevent the spread of disease and save lives, and here's the study that proves it. Okay, yes, that study you're citing shows that cloth masks work to contain pathogens, but here's the context in the study that is being omitted. The parameters of the study say that you sanitize your hands, then place your previously sanitized mask on your face, and never touch the mask again. You go about your day and never touch or adjust it at all. Then, you come home and directly place your dirty mask into a hospital-grade, industrial-style washing machine, which reaches temperatures that household washing machines cannot reach. Then wash, rinse, and repeat. No pun intended. So this only works in a theoretical scenario. But the truth is, it doesn't work in a real-life scenario. Real life doesn't happen in a freaking lab. Context matters. Next is distortion of facts and fabrication of facts. Both of those lies are in this example. The 2020 election was completely secure because there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Okay, here's the distortion or manipulation, the word widespread. That is a very subjective term, and that's why the media uses it. There's no agreed upon definition of what widespread means. That term was chosen very intentionally. A better term would be significant voter fraud because just a 1% discrepancy would have turned the tide of the election. And the obvious fabrication or outright lie is that there is no evidence of it. Let me read the, the quote to you here again. The 2020 election was completely secure because there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. No evidence. That's a complete fabrication. There is plenty of evidence. Whether uh, there's enough to prove it in court, if, if the court will actually take up the case, is another discussion for another day. But there's plenty of evidence. It's crucial that you guys understand this context because it leads to the next question. If the election was so secure and you're so adamant about it, then why do you say there's no evidence instead of debunking the evidence that is presented? You need to look for these telltale signs that they're trying to deceive you and see how it is baked right in to how they present their argument. Circling back to the story of the six blind guys, president Uchtdorf says it seems to be part of our nature as human beings to make assumptions about people, politics, and piety based on our incomplete and often misleading experience. Piety is devotion to one's religion. Uh, Remember, definitions are important. So it was their own personal experiences that shaped their belief. Do you see how making it personal like that leads right into making it emotional as well? Satan knows if he does this, then he can manipulate a person's feelings and tap into that perpetual child inside that we talked about in that previous episode. This idea of our own personal experiences shaping our beliefs is one of the most common reasons for members falling away. The best example I can think of is uh, the stories that former members tell about how they lost their testimony based off of their act, uh, based off the actions of other members of the church. I know people personally who admit they'd probably still be active members if it weren't for the conduct of church members that they uh, saw and experienced. The belief here is that the truthfulness of the church is based on the actions of its members. But that's not truth. It's a belief. Obviously, the experience of running into anti-Mormon and one-footer propaganda would fall under this purview as well, and it goes without saying that those can be powerful experiences to shape our belief. A negative personal experience with a bishop or a stake president would be another example of this. Continuing with President Uchtdorf's comments, he says, We too often confuse belief with truth, thinking because something makes sense or is convenient, it must be true. It talks about this in Alma chapter 30 verse 53 after Korihor was struck dumb go read that verse but Korohor is talking about why he did what he did and when referencing the lies he spread he said I taught them because they were pleasing unto the carnal mind if it makes sense or is convenient carnal mind the teaching of the natural man goes right along with this this is what it says in Alma 4111 and now my son All men that are in a state of nature, or I would say in a carnal state, are in the gall of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. They are without God in the world, and they have gone contrary to the nature of God. Therefore, they are in a state contrary to the nature of happiness. Robert L. Millett wrote a great article in the 1992 Enzyme called Putting Off the Natural Man, an Enemy to God, that I feel explains what the natural man is in a powerful way. He says, Simply stated, the natural man is the man who remains in his fallen condition. He has not experienced a rebirth. At the one end of the spectrum, the natural man may be a person bent on lasciviousness. He may be one who loves Satan more than God, and thereby is carnal, sensual, and devilish. The other end of the spectrum, the natural man may well be a nice man, a moral and upright person bent upon benevolence. Such a person, acclimated to the present fallen world, still does not enjoy the enlivening powers of the Holy Ghost and does not enjoy the sanctifying power of Christ's covenants and ordinances. Even though the light of Christ is making an impact on him, he has not followed it into the Lord's full gospel truths. This is true to a large degree with the one-footers, aka modern-day core They might be nice people with even good intentions, but we all know how the road to hell is paved, right? To me, the carnal-minded natural man is the person who lets other people think for them intellectually and mentally they take the path of least resistance they take the word of people who espouse philosophies of men as their doctrine and ignore or even attack when proper context is brought up and put into the picture it comes down to feeling security and comfort and putting that above all else and that breeds conformity and the adversary loves conformity capitulation group think you get the picture President Uchtdorf also says, quote, Conversely, we sometimes don't believe truth or reject it because it would require us to change or admit we were wrong. Boy, is that indicative of the natural man or what? A serious lack of humility and an abundance of pride. And I get it. I'm not immune from that. I've had several truths come to my attention over the last few years um, that didn't square with my beliefs and and frankly uh, turned my understanding uh, completely upside down. To say it's hard to go through it is an understatement. I had my identity wrapped up in the worldview of anarchism being the most moral societal system. And it was dang hard to let those ideas go and root them out of my heart and soul. Letting go of that pride and learning to admit I was wrong is probably one of the hardest things I've had to teach myself to do. Along with learning not to let what people say bother you and to not be offended. Okay, moving on. I'm going to be quoting President Uchtdorf a lot here, so remember to reference the talk in the show notes. The next thing I love that he says is this. As we all know, it is difficult enough to sort out the truth from our own experiences. To make matters worse, we have an adversary, the devil, who as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is the great deceiver, the accuser of the brethren, the father of all lies, who continually seeks to deceive that he might overthrow us the adversary has many cunning strategies for keeping mortals from the truth he offers the belief that truth is relative appealing to our sense of tolerance and fairness he keeps the real truth hidden by claiming that one person's truth is as valid as another that's the end of the quote right there this is a huge one right here and it goes right back to blurring that line between belief and truth how often have you heard the term my truth you know my truth is this this is my truth You hear this argument a lot from the LGBT community, like, uh, my truth is that I'm really a woman despite the twig and berries. And if I bring up the fact that the biology of the matter doesn't change based on your feelings, and that there's a term for those that think that way, and it's called gender dysphoria, then that can't even be my truth. It's just homophobia or sexism. For some people, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Unless, of course, it happens to also coincide with their truth. It's funny how progressives scream about trusting the science when it comes to climate change or vaccines, but when it comes to biology, about gender or when life starts, then it can just be ignored. But sex is different from gender. Okay, you're taking that trip to La La Land by yourself. Hope your gender studies degree gets you far. Uh, There is no my truth or your truth. The truth is that you believe you're a woman. You have a belief. That's the truth. Believing I'm a millionaire doesn't make me one. This line of thinking is actually a product of humanism, which is the worship of oneself. We'll talk about that on a future episode. I have a great guest um, that I want to get on to talk about that. As a side note on that last quote, I also love how he calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. Look back and see who's doing this, making accusations about the prophet and the first presidency. Typically, it's the ones that call them out on their BS directly. President Benson, Marky Peterson, uh, Boyd K. Packer, Joseph F. Smith, Wilford Woodruff, list goes on. I'll give you one hint. Starts with a P, ends with regressives. But anyways, as President Uchtdorf says, there is indeed such a thing as absolute truth, unassailable, unchangeable truth. This truth is different from belief. It is different from hope. Absolute truth is not dependent upon public opinion or popularity. Polls cannot sway it, not even the inexhaustible authority of celebrity endorsements can change it. End of the quote there. All these things are tools that Satan uses today to persuade people to believe lies, convincing us that the majority of people think a certain way, so it must be right. How could the majority ever be wrong? No need to go into celebrity endorsements. We've all seen the things that the vast majority of them perpetuate and market. I'll leave it at that. It's way more true today than it was back in 2013, though, when Uchdorf gave this talk. This is seriously lazy thinking and reflects back to what I said about the natural man and being carnally minded. Groupthink is a powerful tool the adversary uses to appeal to that natural man in each of us. Going right along with this, Uchdorf says, just because something is printed on paper, appears on the internet, is frequently repeated, or has a powerful group of followers doesn't make it true. Frequently repeated, that right there is uh, the basis for uh, gaslighting. Um, just because you hear it a billion times on the flipping news doesn't make it true. Just real quick, gaslighting is based off of this idea, and I can't remember when it was, uh, what the time frame was, but it's based off of this case where a boyfriend was basically uh, manipulating his his girlfriend where he would she would come home every night and he would turn the gas down on the lights just a little bit every every time she came home and she started going is it, am i just going crazy or is it getting dimmer in here and he would tell her no you're you're crazy that's the the idea behind gaslighting and what gaslighting is all right going on some ukdorf says he entices to believe that there is an absolute truth out there somewhere but that it is impossible for anyone to know it the basis of belief for agnosticism right there For those who already embrace the truth, his primary strategy is to spread the seeds of doubt. For example, he has caused many members of the church to stumble when they discover information about the church that seems to contradict what they had learned previously. If you experience such a moment, remember that in this age of information, there are many who create doubt about anything and everything, at any time and every place. This right here is what I designed this podcast to combat. This podcast is specifically for those who know the truth in their heart and soul, but have had those seeds of doubt planted. I want to get you guys educated before that seed takes root and squash it. There's always a faith building answer for every question of doubt. You just have to ask the right questions. Unfortunately, progressives often don't even care to find the truth or what the truth is, they just want to fight. They're trolls that just like to stir the pot. And to be fair, there's trolls like this in any group, but in my own admittedly biased experience, it's a much more common phenomenon of the progressives' uh, persuasion of thinking. President Uchtdorf said this, Some, however, do not seek for truth so much as they strive for contention. They do not sincerely seek to learn. Rather, they desire to dispute, to show off their supposed learning, and thus cause contention. They ignore or reject the counsel of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do generate contention. Don't waste your time with people like this, because that's exactly what it is, a waste. Open dialogue with progressives can definitely be a healthy and productive thing, even if you agree on nothing. Exposing them to traditionalist ideas as well as learning to understand their point of view is a good thing, no doubt. But when it's about scoring points and getting worked up rather than having a rational conversation then it's a different story. Learn to let it go when you're confronted by a troll and let them have the last word. It'll save you a ton of pointless headache. The saying goes that you should never argue with an idiot. He will drag you down to his level and beat you with experience. Now, one final thought here, and this is the most important. Our faith was founded by one man who sought to know truth, who took the challenge from James one five to ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and it shall be given him. We have to seek truth if we want to find it, and we need to ask God if it is true when we find what we believe to be true. We can't underestimate the power of personal responsibility and personal revelation. President Russell M. Nelson said this, If Joseph Smith's transcendent experience in the sacred grove teaches us anything, it is that the heavens are open and that God speaks to his children. Each of us are no exception to this rule. How serious do you take that? When you hear something confusing from the media or a celebrity or an influencer or even a high ranking church official, do you follow that path that Joseph started and get down on your knees to ask your Heavenly Father to reveal the truth of it to you? We do it with every decision uh, we make in our lives from who we should marry to should I take this job? Should I buy this house? Heck, should I buy this car? Do we ever ask if what we hear on the news is true, if the, you know, quote-unquote experts are correct, or do we just approach him when we're in a crisis? Think about that and take this last quote from President Uchtdorf and use it as your standard for what truth is. He says, the thing about truth is that it exists beyond belief. It is true even if nobody believes it. That's all there is for this episode, folks. Remember to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast and send all of your questions, comments, and hate mail to mormontraditionalist at gmail.com. Also, you can follow me at mormontraditionalist on Instagram. And until the next episode, remember, never back down from the truth.